you're not the boss of me now and you're not so big welcome to life is unfair the malcolm in the middle podcast where we watch and talk about every episode of malcolm in the middle in chronological order today we're talking about army buddy which originally aired december 2nd 2005 was directed by peter lauer and written by neil thompson and andy bobro Hi, I'm Jake, and podcasters are a lot like dogs. It calms them down when they know their boundaries. <laughs> and I'm David, and I dropped my podcast into one of the bins and had to wrestle a 90-year-old lady for 30 minutes to get it back. <laughs> and I'm Eric, and in truth, this podcast was better conceptually. <laughs> wow. I was going to go with, I'm Eric, and the last thing I want to do is make David uncomfortable. Am I making you uncomfortable, David? But I thought, <laughs> since you guys didn't use that, I thought for sure Jake was going to use that one, but I was like, I can't let this opportunity pass by. <laughs> Tough but fair. Okay, well, before we start getting into this episode, uh, Eric, why did you want to come on for this one in particular? I really like the guest star, uh, and I, I think that this is... Well, we'll talk about it when we get to get to the show and like the best acting and, and all that kind of stuff. I have kind of a, a message about why I selected this one. So, Okay, fair enough. Well, then let's get into our community segment where we've got some poll results to look at, which I definitely have pulled up. <laughs> Wow, Jake. <laughs> See? Better conceptually than it <laughs> in actuality. Apparently. Listen, <laughs> he's supposed to be on top of this stuff. He was the one that was like, are you guys ready to go? He's out of his element. He's go. got no coffee. Like, we, we got to cut Jake some slack here. Do we? We do. Yeah, I think so. Yep. How many hours of sleep did you get last night, Jake? Uh... I'll say how that's relevant. <laughs> oh, really? I, I feel like it's very relevant. And I'm going right to refer now. you back to the coffee situation. Like, uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm running on coffee and hate. <laughs> I've got one of those. <laughs> uh, my only coffee, though, Jake, was at 10 a.m. this morning. Rough. Correct. Because you know what we don't have around this place? Coffee I can drink. <laughs> Be able to drink better coffee. Dude, fuck you. It's because <laughs> I drank coffee the way you do that I can't drink that coffee now. Well, looking at those poll results for Secret Boyfriend, uh, we were in agreement that Dewey was least shitty kid for learning Hal's lesson about standing up to adults and the internet agreed with us Dewey won with 50% of the vote with Reese and Malcolm splitting the remainder then for shittiest kid uh, I chose Reese for making the neighborhood cats disappear and fat shaming while David chose Malcolm for uh, him feeling entitled to a relationship with Jessica and self-pity and we have a tie on this one but not between our choices. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's between my choice of Reese and Dewey. What? <laughs> Listen, someone's just trolling at this point. Joss hanging around all the way to the end, huh? Joss yeah, from Des Moines. Des Moines. <laughs> Here to ruin the polls. Like, sincerely, how do you choose Dewey for this? I mean... I agree with you guys, but with a raccoon. yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I, that, that's not great. I mean, I agree with you guys that he no way. It's just child's play. 
<laughs> you know where it deserves shittiest, but that is still a pretty shitty move. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with that, but I understand it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See? Just because I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> oh, I definitely would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jake. See, that's the difference between you and me. I would have been like, you know, I could have done this. Jake would be like, you know, I can do this. And I will. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but with that, let's get into this episode. And we start with a cold open uh, in which Jamie is playing with a garment bag. And Hal sees this and, like, you know, immediately asks where he got it and, you know, takes it away, realizing that he got it from the, like, pile of, like, dress shirts that Hal has hanging in these garments, like, right in front of Jamie. <laughs> and he starts scolding him, saying, you know, these things are dangerous, you can't play with them. And he says, look what could happen if you, if you play with them. And puts it over his head. <laughs> And proceeds to, like, get stuck in it and start suffocating. <laughs> Which Jamie thinks is great as he is laughing and clapping <laughs> as Hal is, like, falling over and struggling to breathe and tell Jamie to go get Lois. He's becoming more and more like Francis every day. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> then uh, getting into the episode proper, we have three plot lines to cover. And we will start with the most disconnected, the Malcolm and Dewey-centered plot. Uh, what do you think David named this plot line, Eric? Uh, I think... I need to find my notes here, because I think I remember, but I want to make sure that I'm... Yes, it's the... M.M. plot for misprint malcontents. Okay, uh, I have a much more specific misprint-themed title. I have FF110 for Fantastic Four Issue 110, <laughs> which was famously misprinted. <laughs> Sorry about that. Which plot line are we on? <laughs> the had, Dewey uh... and Malcolm-centered plot Oh, you mean the P.O.D. plotline. For? For the price of dignity. Which, by the way, interestingly enough, as it turns out, is .00001 U.S. dollars. It's actually been calculated, huh? What? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I knew you were going <laughs> to... Uh, there is apparently a cryptocurrency that is called DSG, or Dignity. <laughs> and that's its evaluation. <laughs> So, <laughs> when I started looking up, like, I was trying to look up famous quotes or, like, books, book quotes and stuff about the price of dignity, and I ran across the literal price of dignity, and I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Okay. I mean, I I, I guess Dewey overpaid then. <laughs> oh, yeah, massively. Significantly, yeah. yes. I mean, unless Malcolm had multiple units of dignity. You never know. That doesn't add up. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but this plotline starts with Malcolm and Reese playing basketball while Dewey is telling Malcolm that he wants the money that Malcolm owes him. As he owes Dewey $10. 
And both Malcolm and Reese tell Dewey to, uh, you know, stop hounding him about this, that he's the only one that won't let this go, and Reese warns him that if he keeps nagging like this, soon no one will want to borrow money from you. (laughs) Good. I hope no one does. (laughs) Then, in the boys' room, uh, we see Dewey continuing to hound Malcolm about this as he's, like, laying in bed, throwing a ball up in the air and catching it. And he's just repeating over and over, I want my money with every throw. Uh, It is pretty great. And Malcolm tells him to shut up. And Dewey says, okay. And presses play on the tape recorder behind him, which is just him saying, I want my money over and over. Uh, I thought that bit great. It is pretty clever. Then Malcolm walks over to one of their shelves and takes a garbage can and, like, holds it up as he just, like, pushes everything that was on top of this shelf into the garbage can and gives it to Dewey as payment. And Dewey says, this is just a bunch of trash. To which Malcolm replies, uh, he should feel lucky to get that. He once loaned Francis $5 and all he got was a double dip swirly. (laughs) Then we see Dewey walking into the room and he tells Malcolm that he sold the comics that were uh, in that pile of trash that Malcolm gave him. And he's talking about, you know, how crappy these comics were. One of them was even misprinted. But weirdly, comic people are really into Miss especially when there's only five in existence and Quentin Tarantino owns the other four. Uh, so specific, and I love it. It must have been about feet. Uh, you're not wrong. He can have multiple interests, Eric. <laughs> no, just the one. Heard it here. Known monster Eric. <laughs> Everyone just gets <laughs> dialed down to the one singular interest. That's that's all there is. <laughs> wow. I I think David is more than just a bee fucker, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, oh, I was waiting for that to come back. <laughs> you feel safe because you're in a different house, Jake. Is that a little it? Bit. A little bit. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the inconvenience will here. protect me. <laughs> it might protect you. It won't protect your stuff. Oh, wow. Listen, I'm not saying I know where to catch a squirrel. I'm not saying I would let it live in your room. But, but uh, then Dewey pulls out a wad of cash and starts fanning himself with it. And Malcolm, you know, seeing this, gets very excited and says, you know, who knew we were sitting on such a gold mine this whole time? And Dewey immediately shuts him down on that. We? Yes. But he offers Malcolm $20 to make himself scarce. Which Malcolm says, you know, this is my room. I'm not leaving for $20. And Dewey says, what about 40? And Malcolm initially turns that down as well and then goes, okay, fine. And takes the $40 and leaves. Right? I'll leave my Rooney dollars. Then we see Malcolm sitting on the couch watching TV. 
And Dewey comes in and sits down next to him and takes the remote and turns it to uh, what is very clearly like a toddler show. And Malcolm starts to like get up and leave, but Dewey holds the money up <laughs> to get him to stay. And Malcolm says, you don't even like this show. And Dewey says, that's not the point. What's important <laughs> is that you hate it. <laughs> that might be the most Jake argument that's been in this show. Then uh, we see Dewey's continued torture of Malcolm as he like walks into their room and says, uh, okay, I think this officially counts as the end of the school day now. And Malcolm walks in behind him wearing a giant sombrero that's like the size of his torso <laughs> and he takes it off and complains that that uh, wearing that all day wasn't worth 45 dollars and dewey says you're right tomorrow we'll put you in mom's earrings and something that shows off your figure uh <laughs> <laughs> and malcolm tries to uh put this to an end like standing up to dewey saying he's done Doing whatever Dewey wants just for this money that, you know, should have been his in the first place. He's not going to do this anymore. And Dewey reels him back in immediately by saying, well, then I guess you'll never know how much money it was. And uh, Malcolm says, I don't care. And Dewey says, not even to the nearest thousandth and walks away, <laughs> which... Upon hearing that, Malcolm, like, desperately asks Re Dewey to keep going and uh, points out that he's, like, broken out in hives. You can't stop now. And he offers to go to the mall tomorrow in flippers and goggles, which Dewey says he'll think about. Then this uh, plot line comes to an end as... Dewey is making Malcolm turn himself into a human Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> Which is equal parts, like, I know Jake knows, but, like, I hate, like, one, sticky stuff, and two, like, wasting, like, food and, like, gross shit with food. And so, like, this scene is equal parts, like, hilarious and torture for me, because, like, if... <sighs> Ugh. Uh, just the thought of, like, doing that to yourself makes me want to hurt someone. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is Human Sunday for Extra Life? <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not going to happen. No, no. 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 But Kyle was needing one. That's a good one for Kyle. <laughs> the wow. bag of it, but you wear it. <laughs> mm. Mm. No. Nope. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> just even thinking about it nope mm -mm. no nope. we'll see we'll see david come on uh, look at all the stuff that jake's done he's eaten a candle for god's sakes this said uh, like if he wants to turn you into human sunday yeah all the things up. jake's done like jake's the only one who's done shitty stuff <laughs> i had to eat taco bell tacos david <laughs> oh no <laughs> Way worse than the candle. <laughs> or the, the hundred peeps. <laughs> yeah, and how many times have you vomited on 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 screen? Also, we're getting way off topic, but uh <laughs> God. And how many years have I vomited for extra life because of the shit you've made me eat? I mean all of them, but that's 
a you problem. That's a skill <laughs> issue. No. Get no. good, David. You, you make me eat disgusting <laughs> shit. I have a stomach condition, and yet I keep having to eat disgusting shit. You're the worst. Uh, getting back to this plot line, uh, this is where Eric's opening nine comes from. As Malcolm asks Dewey, are you happy now? And Dewey says, honestly... That was better conceptually. <laughs> and uh, he pulls the last of the money out of his pocket and gives it to Malcolm. And, you know, upon realizing that he now has all of the money that Dewey got, Malcolm starts taunting him, saying, uh, I have all of the $148, and what do you have, little man? Nothing. And Dewey says, well, I have my self-respect, but it's hard to put a price on that. Actually, maybe I can. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks away. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> and that wraps up this plot line. Uh, so we will now go to the Hal and Lois centered. What do you have for this one, Eric? This is the ooh plot. Four O's for obnoxiously overzealous over orthotics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not Jake. Come on. <laughs> uh, I went simply with the DS plot for Dr. Scholes. <laughs> nice. Mm. So, Jake, you went in the right direction, but little little piece of trivia for you. Yeah, you thought that was the last one, didn't you, Jake? This is the WB bra uh, plot line for the Whitman brace, which is considered to be the first true orthotic. Okay. Fuck you, Jake. <laughs> Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> Listen, I told you I had a piece of trivia <laughs> that was oddly like tied into this fucking episode you sure did oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god but this plot line starts with lois coming home from work uh stressed out and in pain as usual and hal like immediately asks her how her day was while making her herbal tea and uh, she's complaining about the big sale that they're doing and that's where david's intro line comes from as she says that, you know, the store just puts all these sale items uh, into carts and people just tear through them. And she lost her keys and had to fight an old woman to get them back. <laughs> and Hal, like, starts going through uh, his, like, care routine with her while she's continuing to complain. Like, getting her a heating pad and a foot rub and a foot bath. As Lois is uh, talking about this blind guy who showed up with nothing but pennies. And Lois says that, you know, her feet are killing her and she thinks she's going to have to get uh, those orthopedic inserts that her uh, doctor suggested. And Hal, you know, encourages her to do this and uh, starts to give her a mas massage between her shoulder blades. But she says that uh, actually that's the one part of me that doesn't hurt today. And uh, hearing that, Hal, like, gets a look of, uh, you know, 
wanting more and tells her that, uh, you know, the washer went out today and that stresses her out enough and she like jerks up that uh, she now needs this massage that he wants to give her. <laughs> then uh, the next time we see Lois uh, coming home from work, uh, she's, like, sniffing some flowers that uh, Hal has left for her. And Hal also, like, brings in one of those, like, massage pad things that, like, go over a uh, chair. And he tells Lois, you know, to sit on that and he'll start getting the foot bath ready. But she says that she doesn't need them because the orthotics have been so great and Hal says, uh, you know, crazy days must have settled down. But Lois says, no, it was actually even crazier. We had our post-crazy days sale sale. And she's saying that, you know, uh, despite how crazy it was, she actually had a great day. That old blind guy with the pennies came back and he was telling me about uh, all of his interesting medical conditions. Did you know guys can get yeast infections too? <laughs> <laughs> And a disappointed Hal, like, starts putting all of his, uh, stuff away as Lois doesn't need it today. Then we see Lois, uh, cleaning her orthotics while Hal, like, comes in and says that, you know, he's going to start working on the washer. But that all he could find for the instructions was the ones in Japanese. But he thinks he can make it work. <laughs> You don't need instructions, Jake. Instructions are for when you've already tried a couple of things and failed. <laughs> I mean, to your point, Lois has already fixed it without the instructions. And she tells Hal not to worry about it and says, See, isn't it great that you don't have to do stuff like that for me anymore? Which, of course, just makes Hal more upset as he now, like, glares at the orthotics she's holding. <laughs> And the next morning, Lois can't find her inserts as they have gone missing in the middle of the night. And Hal very uh, suspiciously tells her that uh, it must have been Jamie and like picks up one of the shoes and like points and says, see this tiny piece of jelly on your shoes? <laughs> and then he like uh, is giving like a very dramatic like over-the-top performance as he's saying, you know, why can't we have anything nice? Why do these horrible things always happen to us? And as he's doing that, Jamie comes in with the inserts. <laughs> oh yeah, because of us. <laughs> and they are covered in dirt, which Lois leads Lois to think that Jamie must have buried them out in the yard. <laughs> Listen, that's a fair concern. I get it. <laughs> my kids have done that my dogs have done that <laughs> and uh hal just says uh yeah he's a clever boy <laughs> as he looks very upset that jb has brought these back in then we see uh hal like in bed uh reading and lois comes in and when uh, hal asks if she's ready for bed she says no she has too much energy which initially Hal says uh, that, you know, he has something that he could do to help with that problem. But Lois turns him down and says she's going to go run a couple laps at the high school. Poor Hal. <laughs> and that's the final straw. <laughs> <laughs> 
As, uh, then when Lois is asleep, Hal steals the orthotics in the middle of the night and goes out to the garage where he takes a blowtorch to them to ruin them. <laughs> then we uh, see the effects of this as Hal is sitting on the couch and he hears Lois pull up and hit the garbage cans and immediately start yelling, asking who left the garbage cans in the driveway. <laughs> Which Hal is very pleased that she is, you know, showing up from work cranky and upset again. And when she comes in, she explains why. Because uh, these, you know, orthotics have given her horrible leg cramps today. It's like that time Francis chomped down, but I can't turn a hose on these. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, Hal is very excited to once again be taking care of Lois as he's getting the foot bath ready. <laughs> and Lois tells him, you know, you can't trust the banks, you can't trust your own kids, and now it turns out you can't even trust doctors. <laughs> and she says, you know, the only person I can trust is you, Hal. And she tells Hal to get rid of the orthotics. They're making things worse. Uh, what's the point of them if they're going to, you know, help with some problems but create new ones? Then we see Hal uh, trying to fix the uh, orthotics as he's uh, once again taking a blowtorch to them, trying to undo whatever he did previously, apparently. With the same yeah. tool? <laughs> Listen. I don't think Hal should be allowed to own a blowtorch, right. let alone operate one. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and uh, to your point, he then like picks up the orthotics while they're still on and burns himself, <laughs> which uh, causes him to start yelling at them and just start like like hitting them into the ground. And Lois, hearing all of this commotion, comes outside and asks what he's doing. And Hal says he's saving their marriage. <laughs> and he says that, you know, ever since she started wearing these things, uh, she doesn't need him anymore. And, uh, you know, that, that that's just not acceptable for him. And... Lois says that uh, he does this anytime something makes her happy. He did this with the nonstick waffle iron. And remember when we thought the kids would make us happy? <laughs> They're both just being idiots there. <laughs> wow. There's a couple years. <laughs> and Lois says, you know, these things come around and they make me happy for a little while, but it never lasts. The only thing that lasts is you. And uh, she tells Hal, you know, I I'm going to get more of these. And Hal reluctantly agrees, but says that he doesn't want to know about the new pair and to keep them out of their bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as if it's a side piece <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> then that only leaves the titular plot line what do you think he went with for this one well i actually had the quadruple s and then i was very pleased to listen to the episode that dropped today 
where he had a triple S plot. So I'm like, wow, I'm onto something here. So I stuck with the quadruple S for Sapphic Staff Sergeant Sojourn. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Okay, Jake, how are you going to top that? I went with the SWOAM plot for Secret World of Alex Mack plot. Okay. (laughs) You know what? No, we're going with Eric's. Yeah, that's that's it. It's that one. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah? What was it, David? (laughs) Well, I went, I decided to keep this one. Nice and simple, but also use, you know, military vernacular and uh, hint at the uh, the plot line. So this is just the uh, BF plot line. I'm sure Eric knows why. No. Really? Uh, for Blue Falcon. Blue Falcon. Do you not know? Do you not know this term? Jesus Christ. Fucking Navy, guys. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Wow. Boy, no, it doesn't so make it late early. Wow. Right? Well, you know. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's an old uh, military thing. Uh, Blue Falcon or uh, BF for buddy fucker. So, <laughs> because Reese keeps calling her buddy through the whole Yeah, thing. he does. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it could also stand for best friend, which he refers to her several times as it well. It does, so. yes. But, yeah. It's the buddy fucker plot line. <laughs> or whatever the shit Eric said. That... <laughs> Sapphic Staff Sergeant Sojourn. <laughs> and uh, this plot line starts uh, out with uh, that scene where Malcolm and Reese are playing basketball. As uh, Malcolm is uh, taken out of the scene after he attempts to pass the ball to Reese like behind his back. And hits Lois as she's like uh, getting groceries out. And... Uh, Malcolm, like, turns to camera and uh, asks, uh, do you get points for missing your mom's head? (laughs) It is what allows you to continue living, in my experience. (laughs) But Lois, with her new orthotics, takes the ball and immediately dunks it. (laughs) Commenting that the rim is getting a little loose. (laughs) Uh... And uh, she makes Malcolm uh, help bring groceries in. And she does saying, well, I'll never play basketball again, so I may as well. (laughs) I mean, he's not entirely wrong. (laughs) And with Reese left alone, a, uh, like, lasso comes out and, like, wraps around one of his ankles. And he is, uh, like, dragged down face first into the ground and immediately a boot like steps on his back and uh it is his army buddy abby who is played by uh larissa olenek olenek yeah uh who is best known for uh the role of alex mack who uh it was a uh like 90s nickelodeon show in which she was like a superhero whose main power was that she could melt. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one that I missed. Not a not a tour on my uh, television journey. 
I knew her from Third uh, Rock from the Sun. So that's yes, yeah. She Wait. also yeah she had a recurring role on that. She also had a recurring role on Boy Meets World. I did not recognize her at all, and I watched two of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> huh. But yes, I also never watched a Secret World of Alex Max, but I I know it's like a very big show. Huh. Uh, I used to watch Nickelodeon religiously, and I've never even heard of that one. That's wild. Okay, but then uh, like uh, after getting up, they immediately start wrestling. Then when Lois and Malcolm come back out, uh, Reese introduces uh, her to them. And says, uh, remember that story I told you about that girl soldier who started crying like a baby when she got her first care package from home? Well, Abby was the girl who uh, kicked her ass and made her stop crying. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Abby says that, you know, uh, that's the job of a platoon leader. And that is where my opening line comes from. As Lois says, you know, she's uh, happy to see the uh, army's... You know, putting woman in charge of things, and she says that it's uh, weird ordering guys around, and Lois says, it shouldn't be. Men are like dogs. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in more uh, ways than calms one. Calms them down to know their boundaries. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's just too accurate. Like... <laughs> then uh, Abby and Reese, like, go back to wrestling. Then uh, we see the next day, uh, Abby is talking to Lois, and Lois tells her that, you know, she can sleep inside if she wants to, but Abby says the backyard is fine. And by the way, that possum won't be bothering you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I 100%, like, like we all get the same, like, she killed it and ate it, right? Like, we're all thinking the same thing with that, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, does make me like this character even more. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Abby says that uh, she really admires Lois because of all of the things that Reese told her. Uh, And she asks, uh, is it true that you once made Reese cut the front lawn with manicure scissors? (laughs) (laughs) And Lois says, well, I can't take all the credit. He's the one who forgot to refill the ice tray. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a wow uh, i mean between that and turning the hose on francis it was like it was like it was touch and go on uh, one of those certain awards but <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> this uh punishment definitely does not fit the crime <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you know how long it takes to cut a yard with manicure scissors that shit takes forever <laughs> yeah <laughs> Especially having, you know, recently seen Reese poison the whole family. (laughs) This harsh punishment is because he forgot to refill the ice tray. Feels a little bit uh, excessive. (laughs) (laughs) We see uh, Reese, like, try to sneak into the kitchen to, like, try to uh, get the better of Abby. He, like, crawls under the kitchen table and he, like, jumps up thinking he, you know, is going to surprise her, but she has gotten behind him and, like, immediately, uh, like, puts him in a hold and, like, smashes his face into the fridge and makes him say that he's a worthless worm who will always be her bitch. 
<laughs> which reese does and she uh she, she says uh you know it's true but it's still nice to hear every once in a while <laughs> love that line then <laughs> malcolm comes in and she asks if the latrine is open and malcolm says no dewey's still in there and she says that's fine i dug my own and goes outside <laughs> uh. <laughs> she's incredible <laughs> it's so funny i god i've known so many like dudes like this especially when they come back i had a buddy who got arrested for indecent exposure because very similarly he you know came back home and legitimately got caught like taking a shit in his backyard <laughs> uh, like and he has a chain link fence because he was just like look i couldn't wait i just dug a hole that's just what you do and i'm like dude you were in the air force like what what are you doing <laughs> I, I know they have mobile latrines over there. <laughs> but yeah, nope. Straight up. He uh he got he got arrested. His uh neighbors behind him called the cops on him. Okay. So he at least got to finish. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yes, I'm pretty sure no cop listen. I've known a lot of cops and I don't think anyone's like, you know what? We're gonna go in mid plop. No, listen, you wait for that because nobody wants that in their car. There. <laughs> oh, dude, I haven't thought about him in forever. But he was also man, like, oh, you wanna you wanna talk about like good old Southern boy? Like, man, yes, like every every stereotype you could think of that could be described of <laughs> like it, mm. okay yeah pretty much everything shy of the whole like clan thing because like he was he was not about that life but pretty much everything except for the racism stuff like that was that was him okay then. <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, I do feel like that helps explain the uh shedding a hole in the backyard right, to be honest <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm kind of surprised he even dug a hole. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, fair, uh, I guess. I, like, man, I didn't even think about that. The, I haven't thought about him in forever. And then the minute she started, like, from the moment their, like, interactions began, all I could think about was TJ, man. Like, the whole time. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So this is this is just TJ as a woman. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but uh, getting back to this plot line, uh, Malcolm then asks Reese, uh, when are you two just gonna do it and get it over with? Which uh, Reese is like completely perplexed by <laughs> asking, what do you mean she's my buddy? Yeah, exactly. And buddies can't be hot. <laughs> <laughs> I should start telling that to Jared. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but then uh, the next time we come back to this plot line, Lois is coming home from work and Abby is with her, apparently having tagged along uh, for her shift at the Lucky Aid. 
And Lois says, you know, I don't understand why you wanted to go. What could be so interesting about, you know, watching me work at the grocery store? And Abby says, uh, what are you talking about? It was amazing seeing you deal with that unruly mob without shooting around over their heads. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, Reese comes over and asks Abby if she wants to do buddy stuff. And uh, she says, sure, but uh, first she, uh, like, takes some chapstick out and puts it on. And Reese asks, uh, what are you doing? And uh, she, like, offers him some, and then uh, he asks, uh, what else did you buy? And she says, shampoo, a nail file, and Q-tips, which prompts Reese to say that she's going all femme on him. (laughs) (laughs) And run away. Oh, Reese. (laughs) (laughs) then we get like some more of their awkwardness as uh reese uh says that you know there's something in the air that smells like a lot more than friendship and she says you know uh, i can't believe you realize i thought i was better at hiding it and she's like very apologetic and embarrassed and she says, you know, it's just a, sc- a schoolgirl crush, and I know it won't go anywhere. And as she's saying this, she is looking longingly through the window at Lois. And she uh, asks Reese if she's making him uncomfortable. And then, like, gets closer and says, are you uncomfortable? <laughs> uh, man, that is probably my favorite, like, scene that didn't win an award from me in this episode just because of like i love the 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 goofy face she makes there too like it is like somewhere between (laughs) intimidation and also just like total lack of knowledge of like personal space (laughs) i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it it, that that scene made me crack up fair Uh, Reese, assuming that, you know, all of this is about him, says that he never should have let her see him in those bike shorts. (laughs) God. (laughs) Oh, Reese. (laughs) Then, uh, Malcolm finds Reese hiding in the closet, and, uh, Reese is insulted that, uh, no one was looking for him, as apparently he's been hiding in it all day. (laughs) and he tells Malcolm that he was right about Abby and that this is a disaster because, uh, you know, she's supposed to be his uh, buddy and now he doesn't know how to feel about her. And he says that, you know, now whenever he thinks about her, he gets nervous in his stomach like his bowels could cut loose at any moment. (laughs) That's love, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't they put that in any songs? It's <laughs> another great line. God. I, did. <sighs> I love it so much. It's so dumb. <laughs> then Malcolm says uh, that, you know, I know we've had our differences and we don't always see eye to eye, but I need to tell you something as your brother. You're not much of a catch. <laughs> this might be your only chance. <laughs> uh... <laughs> and... He encourages him to, you know, go for Abby while he still can, so he doesn't have any regrets. Uh, Then, out in the living room, uh, after 
Hal has, you know, sabotaged Lois's orthopedics and she's, you know, come home with these leg cramps. Abby offers to help, saying that, you know, she's seen this kind of thing a lot before and she can help with a massage. And she massages Lois's leg and Lois is like, you know, initially telling her to, you know, not hold back, that she can go harder than that. And then Lois, like, starts moaning and talking about how good it feels with her eyes closed. <laughs> and Abby is also getting more and more into it, like, leaning forward towards Lois <laughs> until... Uh, Lois is like moaning and saying, don't stop, turns into, that's a little high. <laughs> <laughs> and she opens her eyes and, you know, realizes that Abby is now like leaning forward like she's about to kiss her as well. And Lois realizes what's going on, immediately asking, uh, wait, are you making a move on me? <laughs> and... Uh. Uh, Lois says that, uh, you know, she's flattered, but she has five kids, and she starts asking, do I give up that kind of vibe? I don't want to give people false hope. <laughs> <laughs> Is it my hair? Should I change my haircut? <laughs> oh, Lois. And as Abby, like, runs away, embarrassed, Lois calls out to her that she's sure there's plenty of women out there who find her attractive. <laughs> And, uh, this plotline, uh, comes to its conclusion as Abby is, like, packing her stuff up, you know, clearly about to leave, and she finds a note from Reese saying he has a surprise for her in the garage. And she goes in, and Reese is, like, in the darkness hidden from her, and he calls out and says that he has a present for her, something he's never given another girl. And he walks out of the shadows completely naked and says that he's going to give her his innocence, that he's been saving it for her, and... She immediately, well, she, like, looks down and says, oh, you tied a ribbon. <laughs> and then, like, looks up at Reese and tells him that she's gay. <laughs> Which causes Reese to drop his ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> But... You don't find me attractive at all. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> oh, Reese. She says, well, maybe if we were the last two people on Earth or we were trapped on a desert island. No, you're still dog meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Then uh, Reese immediately, like, covered himself up, says, That's fantastic. We're buddies again. <laughs> but then he says, Wait a minute. If I'm not the girl that you're into, it must be. And, like, Abby, like, starts to, like, confess and apologize. But Reese cuts her off saying, It must be Big Gloria, the meter reader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Abby like nods and says yeah it was her but she's seen someone else it was awkward <laughs> and uh, Reese says that you know she's his best friend and uh, you know she 
says, you know, he, he's her best friend as well. And then she, like, kisses him on the cheek and punches him in the gut and leaves. And uh, that wraps this episode up. Yep, that covers it. So with that, we will go to our award. Yep, that part. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Awards. And as usual, we will start with our roller skating keen award. Our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for this one, Eric? Oh, uh, yeah, I had something, but I think now in hindsight that we were talking about it, I think the reveal of the <laughs> the felled uh, bow on the garage floor. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, I have to give it to that. <laughs> you dropped your bow. <laughs> uh, Priceless. Fair enough. What did you go with, David? So I figured someone was going to take the bow, so I ended up going with a scene closer to the beginning, and it's Dewey laying on his bed, throwing the ball and catching it, just saying, I want my money, I want my money. It's just, it's, ah, I love that. It was so funny. And just, I love the little, like, casual harassment of his brother Hmm. for his money. Okay, fair enough. I went with uh, Reese's failed sneak attack on Abby. (laughs) It is good. Yeah, crawling under the table and then just like jumping up and then just like immediately getting grabbed and slammed into the fridge. It's very good. I originally had the giant sombrero because like the comedic oversized nature of it was just so funny to me. But then, yeah, as we talked more and more about the bow, I was like, yeah, that's got to get it. Yeah, th- that is fair. The bow was my uh, first choice. The bow was also my first choice, but I knew <laughs> I knew someone was going to use it. So, And uh, what did you go with for your hot dog with mustard award? Your award for the best line. A lot to choose from, uh, again, but this was uh, <laughs> Reese's just, uh, but if I'm not the girl you're hung up around here, then oh my god. Oh my God! <laughs> Gloria's a meter reader. <laughs> just, just the complete <laughs> asinine, just typical Reese fashion, just completely oblivious to everything. It was perfect. And what did you go with, David? I went with the Dewey line of, well, nothing except my self-respect. <laughs> but it's hard to put a price on that. Oh wait, maybe I can. <laughs> I just I love that exchange and Dewey just taunting Malcolm sitting there staring at him in his just awful state. Have have some self-respect, Malcolm. Fair enough. Uh I went with uh Malcolm's response when he's uh talking to Reese while Reese is in the closet and he's like describing uh the you know the, the friendship he has with Abby and he says we're buddies. We uh, wrestle, and I make her sniff my armpits. And Malcolm's response is, uh, everyone has their own kind of foreplay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh, then moving along, which of these plot lines did you choose as the A-plot of your heart? So the Dewey and Malcolm arc, it has some good moments, uh, but the Hal and Lois orthotic plot, it just makes me angry at Hal. So I went with the titular plot line with Reese and Abby. And so here's my reasoning you asked at the top of the show, like why I chose this one. And I mean, Malcolm in the Middle, obviously we've talked before, it hasn't always handled LGBTQIA plus themes in the best light 
like they've been pretty horrible about it before but i think in terms of early 2000s representation they handled abby pretty well i think they let her be a complete character with a range of emotions instead of her making just a strictly like one note like as her you know sexual orientation was a punchline and i liked that yeah yeah no, I, I agree and i i also feel like the early seasons were a lot better with this stuff than the like later seasons have been uh, not including this episode which i agree with you is done very well but yeah, it definitely feels like there's a lot more like just lazy easy like homophobic jokes thrown in in the later seasons mm-hmm. whereas the earlier seasons it felt like there really weren't and there was always sort of pushback when they're like when stuff would come up but uh, yeah, i yeah i agree with you i also chose this plot line uh pretty much for those reasons i think abby is a uh, great in this and uh, all the stuff between her and reese is just fantastic for sure what did you go with david well i i agree with everything that eric's saying and it almost made me go with the same plot line but there is still something about the little brother getting revenge that just makes me so happy even <laughs> when it's wrong that I, I had to go with the Malcolm and Dewey plotline. If nothing else than just Dewey's little evil smirk and the ways that he is clearly manipulating Malcolm. I just, I don't know. I love it so much. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and who did you choose as your top skate dog, your favorite character? Yeah, Abby Tucker. I mean, she's no Mr. Waffles in terms of, like, singular greatest one-off <laughs> characters on the show. But she's damn close. And Larissa Olenek, she's always great in, in everything that I've seen her in. Like I mentioned in A-plot, I like that even with limited screen time, they flesh out her character to give her more depth. She's not just a punchline because of her sexual orientation, and it's acted really well. She goes through all these different ranges of, of emotions and just, like, with facial expressions. It's incredible. Like, she conveys so much with limited presence it's yeah, she's great i wish she was in it more uh yeah i also chose her for this and yeah i absolutely walked away with the the, the exact same thought of like man i wish this character showed up more than once <laughs> uh, who man. did you go with david i i chose dewey i i love the the scene on the bed where he's you know harassing malcolm i love the uh just general little evil smirk that he gets. And admittedly, like, I I don't know, like, Eric Persullivan just does it so well. I love that little evil grin that he gets, man. Like, (laughs) it makes me so happy. (laughs) Um, Which, I don't know, maybe says something about me. But uh, I I do, man. I, I love that stupid, cheesy little grin that he gets. So I, uh, I had to go with that. Fair enough. And I, I feel like I already know the answer, but uh, Eric, who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award, your award for the best acting? <laughs> yeah, definitely Larissa Alenic as Abby. Uh, again, all the stuff I said before, limited screen time, but she makes the most of it. Uh, from being strong enough to out-bully a bully like Reese to being vulnerable like a person with a crush that they can't shake. Across the board, everything she's asked to do, uh, she does perfectly. Uh, yeah, I, I also gave it to her. She just does... She, she does a very good job of, like, portraying the, like, butch lesbian without making it the, like, tropey, like, super stereotypical fade that you would expect to see, especially in this era. Totally. Yep. What about you, David? I also gave it to her, actually. Okay. 
But uh, admittedly, I did not have the time to Google her name, so I just put it down as Abby. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I and uh, along with all of that, she also is very good at conveying. Not, I wouldn't say so much conveying, because but she she enhances her uh, like scenes a lot with her physicality, which uh, is something that we always love uh, out of Brian Cranston. She's not quite obviously to that level of like physical comedy or anything but just like the the way she's able to move and like the faces that she makes made me laugh so much like i don't know i i think that she was awesome and i agree that she would have been a great character to continue having in the show especially with the loss of you know like cynthia and now jessica Mm -hmm. would have been cool to have her around just in that garage scene alone at the finale, like she goes through so many different ranges of emotion, like from confusion to acceptance to humiliation to elation to just like uh, to being kind of awestruck at Reese's naivete. And it's just so much just with with facial expressions. It just. Yep. Yeah. Just incredible. And again, the, that that scene, you know, where she's, am I making you uncomfortable? Like, her facial expression there makes that so much funnier to me. Okay, well, you alluded to it earlier, but uh, who did you give your Mrs. Dabney Award, your award for worst parent? Who won out for you, Eric? Yeah, it ended up, like, wow, like, Lois just... The stuff that she said, like turning the hose on Francis and making... But we didn't see any of those things. And I know that we've done in the past, we've given awards for stuff that was just kind of like offhand comments. But we actually see Hal just be incredibly shitty. He violently pats Jamie on the head like when he's trying to cover. Like, first of all, he's trying to just like... You know, throw Jamie under the bus for like getting rid of the orthotics. (laughs) And he's like violently patting him on the head. And then, like, just being a horrible uh, partner to Lois, like, ruining her orthotics, scapegoating Jamie. Yeah, just, it it was Hal for me. (laughs) I'm not saying you're wrong. (laughs) But if you're a parent and you've never used your child as an excuse (laughs) or a scapegoat for something, you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) If you've never been like, no, sorry, I can't go to that thing. I don't have anyone to watch the kids. While your wife is sitting on the couch next to you, bullshit. (laughs) You're full of shit. No, that's fair. But this was like something that was like trying to do something malicious towards his partner because I said he you weren't wrong felt emasculated. <laughs> <laughs> i agree with you i'm just saying look sometimes you know yeah the kids got to take one for the team <laughs> especially if they can't talk back <laughs> oh those are the best years uh i mean what no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he doesn't mean it, Lisa. Wait, but by the time that Lisa actually gets to this episode, uh, your kids will be like in high school anyway. So. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, she gets. Are you kidding me? My wife has ADHD, dude. Are you? She she can't stick to any one podcast for like. She'll go back to them. But she'll listen to this. She'll listen to you know real podcasts. Uh, <laughs> real. Wow. wow. Shots fired. 
Well, I mean, real real podcasts acknowledge both of their hosts, is all I'm saying. Yeah, but this, this podcast only has one host to acknowledge. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway. But no, I, in all seriousness, I, I gave it to Lois because I agree with everything you said about Hal. But I have a bone to pick with turning a hose on kids. <laughs> Not because it's child abuse or any of the other reasons that you would think I have a bone to pick with turning a hose on kids. But because when we were younger, we would get the hose turned on us by our grandmother because we tried to go into the house to get away from all the other kids who were assaulting you with water balloons and water guns because your parents were too poor to buy you one. And then you try to go inside to dry off and hide. And they'd be like, no, you can't come in here wet. And then you get fucking hosed down like a protester by, by your grandma for trying to go into the house wet. <laughs> Shit sucks. So wait, so wait a second. You're trying to come into the house wet, so her solution is to make you wetter? No, her solution is stay the fuck out of my house. <laughs> the fact that it happens to be with water, irrelevant. I mean, also, I feel like that was part of it. Of like, that means, the, you know, the kid's out of the house for longer if they're wetter. Yeah. That's yeah, because you got to dry off. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, for personal vendettas, <laughs> I gave it to Lois. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I also actually gave it to Lois because uh, while I feel that Hal is definitely the worst partner in this, I feel like Lois is the worst mother. Uh, well, yes, Hal does like try to frame Jamie for his crimes. Like uh, Lois does have the the, the thing with Francis. And she, you know, immediately shows Malcolm up by literally dunking on him and ruining <laughs> all of his basketball dreams. Yeah. Well, uh, and the, you know, excessive punishment on Reese for forgetting to fill the uh, uh, ice tray. <laughs> then moving along, what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. So, uh, during the scene in the kitchen, like right after, um, Abby has forced Reese up against the fridge and then she leaves, uh, Malcolm comes in, uh, asking Reese when they're going to hook up. And so on the lower part of the fridge, there's a picture of Mojo Jojo, which who's the monkey enemy from Powerpuff Girls, uh, which would have just wrapped up their initial run around this time, found out, so. Was that your selection, Jake? Is that why? It, it sure was, Eric. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I made sure not to pick it because I knew Jake would have it. <laughs> uh, what did you go with, David? I went with the bin sales because I remember when that was a thing at every fucking store walmart did it fucking big lots did it fucking smith's albertson safeway like you would just randomly walk into these stores and there would just be these metal bins of random shit uh and it lasted for forever at walmart and then it because like eventually it just turned into like the five dollar movie bins at walmart but i remember like back before all of that where it was just like Whatever random item that we have like 8,000 of, they're three bucks. Here you go. Dig through this. <laughs> I used to get cool shit that way for pretty cheap. 
It was the way poor people shopped at Walmart. <laughs> Fair. Well, I wanted to go with the fun <laughs> option of Mojo Jojo from Powerpuff Girls, a show from my childhood that I love. But since Eric heartlessly stole that, I'm forced wow. instead to go with the depressing <laughs> option of uh, the Don't Ask, Don't Tell era of the military, which this is right smack dab in the middle of, which... Uh, that was my backup. Yep. Which, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, helps explain why uh, Reese Baby didn't know that Abby was gay. I mean, it's Reese, so... I mean, there's that, too. Yeah, maybe not a fair <laughs> assumption See, that he would figure it out. <laughs> there's don't ask, don't tell, because we don't like your kind of people and we don't want you in our country's military, which is shitty. And then there's the Reese don't ask, don't tell. Which is, don't ask, don't tell, because he's too stupid to get it anyways? <laughs> uh, I, I, will, I will say, Reese uh, literally hiding in the closet in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> also, great subtextual evidence for the Reese's gay theory. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. is. Okay, well, that just leaves shittiest and least shitty kid. Uh, who did you go with for your least shitty kid? I went with Reese. Like He's simple-minded, he's emotionally stunted, but when Abby reveals to him that she's gay, he handles it pretty well. Like He doesn't ostracize her because of it. He's just concerned that it was a crush on the meter reader. Not that it was a crush on a woman, so it actually shows some development. It looks like the the Pearl Harbor stuff kind of like sunk in, where he, you know, he figured out that it it was okay for people to live different lifestyles, and he didn't. Uh, he was just happy to have his friend back. So, and he didn't really do anything shitty like the other guys did. So, uh, who did you go with, David? I need to check my notes. Yes. Okay. Check my pulse. Make sure to because uh, I also went with reese <laughs> so i agreed with eric what i know man that doesn't happen something's wrong here but yeah no i mean same same things that you know eric said like i i think reese handled it really well i don't think he really did anything super shitty and i know some people are gonna say that you know the relationship that they had was toxic and blah 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 no like i I think that that's probably one of the healthiest relationships Reese has had. And he's very open and accepting of her. Like, he's he doesn't really care beyond, you know, hey, you're my buddy. Yeah, yeah. I, I also have Reese's least shitty kid. And I mean, like, between this and, like, the uh, Pearl Harbor and stuff, Reese does definitely... He, he comes off as, like, a very, like, 2000s kind of progressive he, he definitely feels like a lot of kids that i knew in like high school who were you know like fine but with you know people being gay and like we're very accepting and open to that but also would like use the f slur for a joke mm-hmm. well like reese very much feels like that kind of guy uh, at this point yeah i can see that mm -hmm. but he doesn't do it so we'll have to give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean as much as it is like damning with faint praise like that, that is 
compared to a lot of, like, both people in real life and a lot of what was on TV, a step up from, like, a lot of people, so... Totally. <laughs> uh, and who did you have as shittiest kid? It was tough for me to single it out because they were both shitbags, but I ended up going with Malcolm, which I'm guessing you guys probably did as well, but, I mean, Dewey was terrible here, too, so I... But what sealed the deal was that Malcolm was going to welch on the repayment, and then he gave Dewey that armful of what he thought was garbage. He only cared when money was involved, and he thought that he was entitled to it. And even though he talked about having dignity and rising above the monetary desire, he still kept making concessions until he thought he got all the money. And then he was his usual pompous self about it. So, yeah, I mean, Dewey was terrible, but Malcolm was somehow even worse. (laughs) Okay. Who did you go with, David? I also went with Malcolm. Oh. I like sleep deprived, David. <laughs> wow. Rude as fuck. But Eric, what does it say about you that it's only sleep deprived David that agrees with you? <laughs> that he's got to be a little loopy. <laughs> he's got to be a little loopy to match my a lot loopy, I think. <laughs> uh, but no, listen. Malcolm owed a debt, and he went through all kinds of bullshit, not only to cheat his little brother out of money, but also he never repaid him at all in any part of this. He still owes him that money. Like, <laughs> fuck you, Malcolm. You're, you're a dick. Um, your, your word is your bond, and when you can't even repay a debt like that, like, come on, you suck. Everything else aside, like, Malcolm deserved what he got. Upon my first viewing, I also had Malcolm. But on rewatching, I chose Jamie for watching Al suffocate (laughs) while laughing and clapping about it. Future serial killer Jamie over here watching his own father die (laughs) and just laughing and laughing. (laughs) Wait, if you do that, that makes you a future serial killer? Probably. Asking for a friend, I think. (laughs) I think. (laughs) Whoops. Anyways, what? Uh, Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... That does make me think of the time that my dad had a leg surgery and then came out into the backyard and he like fell into a hole with his bad leg and he started screaming, pull it out, pull it out. And my brother immediately turned to me and said, that's what she said. And we were both laughing too hard to help him. Incredible. Uh. <laughs> but Jamie definitely should be a Okay, well, that wraps up our awards. But we have a couple of segments left, beginning with WTF F. No. So, Eric, <laughs> where the fuck is Francis? <laughs> Ah, so fresh off the fish fiasco from Blackout, Francis returns home to Piyama with the Marlin, which does indeed impress 12-year-old Jason Sullivan, enough to agree to join Francis's lanyard operation. <laughs> this is great news because Francis would Where's like to... Where's the motherfucking... 
expand internationally. But unfortunately, he doesn't have any really great overseas connections. So he'll just sit and stew and maybe he'll listen to some music, some local music for inspiration, hoping that something will fall into his lap. Jake knows where I'm going. David has no idea. I hate that we're still on the stupid lanyard. <laughs> He's moving away from it. <laughs> Good. I don't think he was ever there. This is clearly the fake was. Francis. No, he was clearly. No, no. Real Francis might be dead in the woods somewhere. This is this is fake Francis. <laughs> Who can keep track at this point? <laughs> Not us. <laughs> Erica can. She can keep track of it. I'm sure she's probably got a spreadsheet or something. Probably. I don't think a spreadsheet would do it. I think you need a cork board with lots of yes. red. Lots of red yeah. yarn. Di- yeah, different colored yarns for different Couple theories. Couple pie charts. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's not, that's too, like, batshit. So, the, like, Erica would be, like, smarter about it. So she's more, like, logical. So maybe this is the, the cork board. That's a Luke thing, right? Wow. God damn. <laughs> Luke, I would like to point out I didn't say that. <laughs> Don't come for me in the comments. He didn't refute it, so that's... <laughs> no, I'm... What do you think I'm doing right now? Just, Shoot it. You're Eric. just deflecting. You're just deflecting. You didn't come out and say, how dare you say those awful things about Luke? You're... you're uh... No, 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 no. No. No, listen, I think you're wrong, but I understand. <laughs> but I think you're wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> this is why everyone hates me. <laughs> I mean, no, this is just why Luke hates you. <laughs> That's fair. And now hates me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I am the heel, except for when Eric's on. <laughs> right? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's over here generating cheap heat, coming up the fucking audience. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also, Jake in his wrestling terms. <laughs> okay, well, uh, our next segment is the Cranston Connection, as we have determined that in some form or fashion, all of Brian Cranston's characters, including the actual person Brian Cranston, are all one character. <laughs> Dude, I still, is that one out yet? Yep, it came, it dropped today. Okay, okay. Dude, I can't believe I found that. That was so good. It was great. <laughs> and, uh... In this episode, uh, we see some, you know, strange behavior from Hal, and the the Cranston connection explains why he's, you know, doing this awful thing to Lois. You know, and the episode is framing it as, you know, he has this codependent relationship, but that's not actually what it is. It's actually an intricate diversion because he is worried about Abby recognizing him. As they had overlap, <laughs> as uh, they were both, you know, going by different names at the time. He was actually a Neil Diamond impersonator, <laughs> uh, while she was going by the name of Alyssa. Uh, but you know, but before she joined the army, and she was dating a boy that she didn't know yet was an alien, and they were both interacting with this family of aliens, and you know, it was this 
clearly important moment, and he was just so worried about, you know, this, this woman from his past life recognizing him and, you know, blowing the lid on this whole multiple lives vampire slash evil serial killer thing he has going. So he needed to distract her, and recognizing immediately how she felt about Lois, he decided to sabotage those orthotics so that she would have this opportunity to give Lois this massage and be entirely focused on her. <laughs> and uh, all of it was actually, you know, an intricate, evil plan to keep this girl distracted and paying attention to Lois instead of him in order to hide all of his dark, dark secrets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's a great one. <laughs> This is just getting darker and darker. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> We've had him be a CIA plant. We've uncovered that he was he's a vampire. Maybe even and the, the first. And the devil. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's pretty bad when you're already the devil and then you become a vampire. That's <laughs> Well, I mean, someone's gotta start it. I guess. <laughs> That's who really sired Angel. It was it was Brian Cranston. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that canon checks out, but you know who knows. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, David, whatever his name is, boring, boring anus. anus. Yeah, boring <laughs> he could have. Uh, <laughs> he could have, you know, he could have had false memories implanted. You never know. That does happen. Yeah, see? Okay, well, we have one last segment, and that is David's Guessing Game, which uh, you did not do great on this time, David. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> As you did get some of uh, the, like, basic stuff correct, you were, you know, correct that uh, a army buddy would uh, come to visit Reese. And they I would wonder stay what gave that Yeah, I know, weird. <laughs> yeah, it was a, an astute observation of the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but uh, you were also correct that uh, there would be no Francis returning. And I gave you partial credit, as you said, that Malcolm would either have his own plotline and not be really in Reese's or just like be a side character. Which I, I did give you some credit for that, as he's not super involved in the main Reese plotline. Uh, but you also thought that uh, the army buddy's presence would. Uh, disrupt the family's like normal day-to-day -day stuff uh, which didn't really happen you thought that uh, it would like cause Reese to have these uh, feelings of like regretting leaving the army which didn't happen and you thought that Hal would be emasculated by having an army guy around uh, which uh, did not happen and I also took points off because you assumed that it was an army guy specifically why would I not look at the era of television Fair, but you are still incorrect. I well, sure was. I mean, I think that if I can play devil's advocate, if I could be a real Brian Cranston and be the devil here, <laughs> I think that David <laughs> should get partial credit because Hal was emasculated in this episode. It was just by orthotics, not by an army. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, okay. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll bump his grade up a little. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. No problem. But... That is still not a great score. I'm still giving you a 65%, David. Yikes. That might be my worst one yet. It's not great. 
You had some of the broad stuff, but uh, like all of the details you tried to go into were pretty much wrong. That's fair. Okay, David. What do you think happens next week in Malcolm Defends Reese? Ooh, Malcolm Defends Reese. Well, it's got to be something pretty... I mean, if for them to work together, it's usually you only see that to trick Lois. But I don't think that's what will... So why would Malcolm defend Reese? Because I don't think he'd... Like, if Reese got himself into a bullying situation in school, I don't think Malcolm would. So Malcolm... We'd have to be forced into a situation where Malcolm gains more by defending Reese than he loses. I think that... uh yeah, I think that it's going to be he academically defends him. Reese is going to get himself in some sort of, like, academic trouble. Okay. And Malcolm is going to have to defend him. Like, maybe maybe he gets accused of cheating when he wasn't, or something to that effect happens, you know? Um, or, like, he has to defend him from, like, getting suspended or something even though, like, yeah, I think it's I think it's got to be something like that for Malcolm to get involved and like he's got to see some like injustice. Ooh, it could involve. Well, did we do a fond farewell to him? Fuck. <laughs> it could be like Herkaby, maybe. Uh, we have not done a fond farewell for her. Okay, so I wonder if it involves him. Known hero, man of the people. What would he possibly be doing to? Uh, anything. Listen, if I remember correctly, hasn't Herkaby like openly said that he thinks Reese belongs in like an insane asylum or something? He's not wrong. Shut up, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, I I bet it's gonna be something like that. Okay, uh, do you think Herkaby will involved? Man, that's a big. If I'm wrong, it's a big knock. Uh. I think, no? I don't think so. I'm going to say yes, because I don't think we've seen him yet this season. Okay. And he strikes me as the only thing that could get Malcolm and Reese to work together besides Lois. I'm going to be so off. <laughs> we'll uh, see, David. We'll see. And do you think Francis will be in this? Quit asking that. No. I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, do you have any questions you want to throw in, Eric? Well, I mean, since Dewey seems to be your ongoing favorite character, do you have any ideas for bonus points what he could be up to in this episode? No and... fucking clue. <laughs> Off of Malcolm Defense Reese? No. Because, <laughs> listen, if it was Dewey, Malcolm wouldn't need to defend Reese from Dewey. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't Reese say that he was going to be involved in, in that the titular plotline. I'm just saying, like, you know, know what's he going to be doing? I'm just trying to go off the title and rationalize my decisions. I'm mostly throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping to randomly hit a bullseye every once in a while. Doing this. No, I don't think I don't. Th I, I have no clue what Dewey's doing. I'm sure that he's not involved in the I'm defending. Him. Okay. He's got his own thing going and it will probably be adorable and fun. So will there be a scene where Dewey punches or is punched by someone specific <laughs> i don't fucking know <laughs> that's not one of the options I mean... <laughs> it's uh abstaining is always an option <laughs> i mean yeah it's an option that always gets you a zero david <laughs> it's <laughs> all <death's> work. 
<laughs> no, no. Dewey's not going to get punched. Okay. But is he going to punch yeah. someone? What? That's not... No, no. <laughs> Quit adding on fucking questions. Jesus. No, it was the same question I said. Is there a scene where Dewey is going to be punched or punch someone? And you said, no, Dewey is not going to punch someone. Or not yeah. going to be punched. Yeah, is Dewey so. involved in a punching altercation? Mm. Well, the odds are better in my favor than if I say yes. So I'm going to change my answer to yes. Okay. There is going to be some sort of punching involving Dewey. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's very definitive, David. Oh, I don't know. That, that can come back to haunt you. <laughs> it will because it's a you question. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the shit's already hard enough. I'm dumb and I'm exhausted. Okay, well, that wraps this episode up. Eric, why don't you tell people where they can find you, especially since I forgot to do that at the start of the it's, show? It's Be fine. Being a real I, you in your show. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to be better about that, more cognizant. No, it's it's fine. I'm sure people have heard more than enough of me. But yeah, uh, I have my own show file under Entertainment Podcast, in which Jake and David have guested frequently and are coming up to do their own musical journeys very soon. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm also on the Evil Mark show every uh, Thursday for sports-related things. So, But a lot of pop culture stuff, too, and keeping it fun. You can find me at those places. And as always, thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld, who does our intro and outro music. If you'd like to find links to more of his music, you can find that in the episode descriptions. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. If you enjoy the banter back and forth here and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we play video games, interact with the chat, and in general, have a good time. And as always, remember that life is unfair.
David's clearly in the middle of another conversation. Yep. <laughs> this would be funny if you didn't edit any of this <laughs> silence out. <laughs> Just left it all in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Now, see, I just have to edit all of this silence and to the uh, end for the secret <laughs> non-sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, wow, they stopped the episode like four minutes ago. What's going on here? <laughs> I did listen to a podcast where there was like a five-minute silence yeah. before their secret sound. Wow. But it was such a long like stretch in between that I just assumed Spotify just wasn't like auto playing the next thing. Mm -hmm. I was like playing Zelda, so I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll put something else on in a minute, and then like after like five minutes, they're like the talking started again. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Which plotline are we on? Uh, give me just one second. Sorry, I have to step away. I apologize. Here we go again. <laughs> I know more editing for Jake. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That bastard Dave. <laughs> Can't trust him. That's why he's not even a full host on this show. Yep. <laughs> I haven't walked away or had another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you guys had a nice uh, kind of breathing room, right? You were a couple episodes ahead, and now you're going episode to episode again, huh? Yep. Yikes. It how happens. you been otherwise? Uh, okay. So how long are you dog sitting for? Uh, about a week. I'll be back next Wednesday or Thursday. Sorry about nice. that. All good. Saul Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great show. Better Call Saul. It is pretty good. 